opinions of the commentator or commentators are solely those of the commentators and not of CJAD 800 or Astral Media Radio. Whatever gets you through the 708 on Montreal's News Talk leader, CJAD800. Welcome to What Keeps You Up Nights, a new business program all about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. How are you doing, Josh? Excellent. So uh, tell me, um, what's uh, coming up today? I know uh, you wanted to talk a bit about the, uh, first off, about the home renovation tax credit. Well, I guess as an accountant, it is uh, April 12th, and we're mid-deep in tax season. Uh, I've got to get on that myself. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got to get to their, their tax returns, uh, certainly filed by April 30th. Uh, but, but, you know, to lead off the show, and it's very relevant for today's show, Dan, is there's, there was this home renovation tax credit for both federal and Quebec governments, where if you, you know, depending what you spend during the year in 2009, there's a certain rebate that you can get back from both governments. And uh, you can probably get back up to about uh, 3000 dollars if the max is hit. So it's something extremely important. And it really relates to home renovations, but included in that is the home decor and certainly the draperies and the blinds and all that. And to lead into that with our show this evening, we have CNM Textiles. Peter Auger and John Auger, uh, the company has been around for 60 plus years uh, in fabric and, uh, and home decor and apparel retail. And I'd like to welcome uh, the gentlemen to the show. Thank Hi. you, Josh. Peter Thank and John, for uh, thanks us. for stopping by. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We, uh, I think we should jump right into it and uh, kind of let, maybe you can let the audience know or the listeners know, guys, uh, what is CNM today? What do you provide to the public? Well, as we are today, Josh, we provide fabrics for home decor and clothing fabrics and bridal and evening wear fabrics. Anything that has to do with home renovation, we provide a turnkey service for the, for the uh, public. And we provide a medium to high-end uh, line of fabrics that are very exclusive in the city, basically in the country. We try to be exclusive, we try to be different. Uh, we started off in uh, 1948. Uh, my father Charles and my uncle Maurice, where the CNM derives from, and my mother Georgette actually started with them a week after her uh, honeymoon. And they started in a 1500 square foot outlet, and in the same spot they've expanded twice to where we are now in the 30,000 foot uh, outlet that we're in right now. Are you in the same location today as you were 60 years ago? Exactly the same. That's amazing. And now you now you mentioned that you're that you're in Montreal, but there's you ex, you've expanded to Ottawa, I understand. Yes, we have, Josh. We we decided uh, about 7 or 8 years ago we were either going to do an expansion in Montreal, which we bought buildings next to us to do the expansion. And then the idea of what do we do with these, this next generation who was coming into the business, Jonathan, Matthew, uh, my two nephews, Matthew and David, and Jonathan had come into the business. They were enjoying it, but there really wasn't space in Montreal for a future for all of us because we're still young enough that we're not ready to retire. Mm -hmm. So we looked around at the different opportunities. We had a large clientele from Ottawa begging us to open a store there, begging us to come in there, and they need a store like ours in Ottawa. So we met a partner there, Anna, who uh, was working there for the 20 years in the fabric business. And I told her, whenever you're ready and you want to come in, we're ready to open with you. And she was ready that year. So everything worked out. And uh, about seven years ago, we opened in Ottawa, our second location. But you weren't ready to uproot yourself and go on. So it was logical that the next generation took over? 
He sent the, us, yes. <laughs> but did you go willingly is the question. We did go willingly. We were a bit hesitant at first, but we did realize that, you know, we have to put the business first. And like my father was saying, when you have such a large demand and in a city like Ottawa, we couldn't resist. And the important thing is that for the clients that were coming to the Montreal store when they shop in Ottawa, that they're getting the same experience that was taught to us over you know, our, our term of working in the Montreal store, and that the selection is just as vast and just as great as you would find in our Montreal location, which most stores that do move to different cities don't always bring their full inventory or their full selection, whereas we have left nothing behind. And most importantly, we've included the great service you'll find in our Montreal store at our Ottawa location. Have you put your own signature on the store? Is it identical to what's in Montreal, or is there maybe a little bit of difference? Well, maybe not our own signature in a sense, but just through the um, the decor of the store, we have a bit more of a boutique atmosphere. We're a bit younger, myself and Matthew, <laughs> so we have a you know a great relationship with our staff and. We've developed a great relationship over six years with all of our clientele, our de decorators, our designers, and basically just an overall, the way we've displayed and the way we've kind of expanded on the hardware and the blind selection that we have, we've been able to offer a clients, instead of needing our service or needing our help right away, they could actually appreciate and enjoy the experience of shopping on their own, kind of looking through the catalog and our selection, and then when they need our help, we're all there willing to help them out. There, I mean, it sounds like you get very involved with the customers, very one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, Peter, is this something that, you know, has been going on since day one? I think being a family business, it has gone on from day one. My father, my uncle, uh, my aunts at the time, it was a total family business, and my mother were in the store all the time. And even until today, as a customer walks in, and as you know, my desk is right in the middle of the floor, so... The parking lot entrance is right there and they come in and I can greet every client who walks in and uh, offer them an espresso and, and just greet them, direct them to the right area and then they'll find my brother Andrew in the other side and it moves on to my sister Donna who will go up and take care of anything if they need to be uh, paid or anything in the, uh, in the, invent in the uh, office area. So it's, it's really has continued and uh, my mother is still there at the cash uh, certain days a week so people recognize the family. They recognize that for 60 years, the generations have been coming in from, from grandmother to granddaughters and, and on. We'll talk a bit more about the family dynamic in this business, how it helps you, how it hinders you, and also how you sort of operate a family business from a distance, too, because you have uh, a John who's in, who's in Ottawa. It must be difficult at times. This is what keeps you up nights on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar along with Full Landau's Josh Miller and our guests this evening, John and Peter Auger from CNM Textiles. If you have any questions for John and Peter or for Josh, uh, any business advice perhaps, you can always give us a call at 514-790-0991 or Star Talk that's free on Bell Mobility. Right now it's 7.15. Welcome back to What Keeps You Up Nights, 7.17 on CJAD. What Keeps You Up Nights, of course, every Monday night at 7 p.m., a new business program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and, of course, this evening, a couple of great on, on, local entrepreneurs, uh, John and Peter Auger of CNM Textiles. You've probably heard the name. Uh, it's been around for 60-plus years, uh, of course, in, in retail and wholesale, uh, all kinds of textiles, fabrics, and so forth. Um, so, guys, we're talking about, I guess, family dynamics and, and, uh, <laughs> and I guess, dealing with family on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, uh, John, you're lucky 
lucky in a sense to be out in Ottawa. Uh, but Peter, you have a lot of your family in the store with you daily. As uh, are you able to get along constantly? Are you in each other's faces? How does that? What's the dynamic at CNM? Well, it's always a work in progress, but we we've made sure that everybody has their responsibility in different areas, and there'll be many a day when. Uh, I'll leave work at 6 o'clock and I'll actually phone my brother Andrew and say, you know, what's up? We didn't speak all day because I'm in one area, he's in another, my sister's in another. So we, we rarely cross paths, you know, during the day. We may be lucky and be able to have lunch together, but that's about it. So everybody has a responsibility. Everybody stays out of each other's way and lets them do their responsibilities without getting involved. And the boys in Ottawa, we're in contact with them daily, but uh, they also have each one their responsibility. My nephew David in Montreal has his responsibilities. He's taken a lot of the weight off my shoulders. And so if everybody's doing their job and everybody's aim is to get along and make it work, it's going to work. So everyone has sort of complementary, uh, I guess, uh, characteristics or skills in, in your business? Yes. Was that all planned out? Did people go, go through training uh, in, in the hopes of... I think they just, well, as far as the, the next generation, they just fell into place. And ironically, Jonathan ended up working in my brother's department, and his sons ended up in my department, and it wasn't planned that way. It just happened. And now that they've moved on, Jonathan and Matthew, I think, are working together, complementing each other in Ottawa. But again, each one have their responsibilities. I think it's the personalities that are important in working with my cousin on a daily basis in a much smaller environment where there's less of a departmentalized system, so you can't... You can't not see each other. I think the fact that our personalities happen to be opposites really enables us to kind of be productive and progress the business on a daily basis. And f amazingly enough, we actually do the same thing as my father and Andrew would do. In a sense, we'll call each other at the end of the day and be like, where were you today? What happened? We didn't even we didn't get a chance to talk. But I think the key is that you respect each other's opinions and you respect each other's way of thinking. And when you do meet to try to come to some common ground, and that's how you keep growing. John, you, you certainly raise an excellent point, and it's a matter of respect. There's so many times uh, with various family businesses that the, the partners, the brothers, the sisters, the siblings, the father, there's a lack of respect and which creates a lack of cohesiveness. And to understand that uh, a little bit of respect goes a really long way really helps and can help, can help grow that business to the nth degree. So I think that you guys exemplify that level of respect uh, is certainly a kudos to you for making that work uh, in your own business. And certainly uh, it might be difficult at times. I don't know, Jonathan, maybe when you were younger, it's sort of you approached maybe a task as being a, a chore just like you would washing the dishes at home. I mean, did you did you have to get out of that mindset that it's just dad bugging me and no, it's 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 the boss who's paying my, who's, you know, right At first when we did start in the uh, Montreal store, I did feel like they would ask me to do very remedial tasks that I was like, you know... You didn't enjoy sweeping the floors? <laughs> well, it taught me a lot in life, but I actually used to think to myself that when my father would ask me to do something or my Uncle Andrew would ask me to do something, I was, in a sense, felt privileged because I was like, they need me. They require me to do something. I'm not just sitting in an office, you know, working for my father and not really working. So as I grew up and I grew in the business, those remedial tasks ended up being a lot more responsibilities. And I believe that that's what took me to the next level and being able to run a store. I was 21 when I opened the store in Ottawa with my cousin Matthew, and I had that trust, I think, based on the fact that anything they asked me to do, whether it was <laughs> sweeping the floors or it was you know working with a supplier or a client, I, I did it in a way that it was as important as anything else was. So... You know, to, to understand every single aspect of the business is, is absolutely crucial because when you're 
when you're wanting to improve a process, you got to understand how it works. So I can totally understand how getting involved from ground level zero uh, is a huge factor. Uh, Peter, did, did you, when you took over from your father and uncle or learned the business, was it a similar process? Absolutely. It was the exact same process. Uh, they just decided that once we got into the business, they were ready to retire, semi-retire. They just wanted to relinquish any responsibility and have Andrew and I run the store. So I started in 1973, and about by 1980, we were running the store, fully running the whole operation. And they would come in and just visit and guide us and uh, be there if we needed them. But we, we took over basically then, and they were very happy to do that. They didn't hold anything back. Peter, did it take you a while to be able, not to trust your kids necessarily, but to, to, be, to feel comfortable delegating uh, important responsibilities to them? Because that's something I see in a lot of small businesses. A lot of parents just don't want to, you know, share the important work. The, the, the menial stuff, sure, but not the important stuff. Well, when I started to, to pass those uh, chores on to them, I, I was happy if they faltered at times. I was happy if there was a mistake. I would take them on buying trips and let them you know, go through the, the shows and, and make some decisions, even though sometimes I knew it was a wrong decision. As long as it wasn't too costly, I was happy that they could see for themselves that there was a mistake made. And even sometimes in the decisions they're making in Ottawa, we thought we'd have to be there on a weekly basis. We're basically never there. And they're doing, you know, they're running the store on their own. They've made some mistakes. They've, they've realized their mistakes, but they've learned by them. And I think by learning by them is the only way you're going to grow, the same way we learned by our mistakes. More with uh, John and Peter Auger of CNM Textiles in just a moment. We're talking about uh, family business issues and all kinds of issues related to their business, which is, uh, of course, textiles. They've been around for 60-plus years. 514-790-0991 or StarTalk on Bell Mobility. More of uh, what keeps you up nights in just a moment. CJD time is coming up to 724. Seven twenty-five on Montreal's News Talk leader CJAD eight hundred. What keeps you up nights? Presented by Fuller Landau, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller and uh, Josh. Before the break, um, uh, Peter said something interesting. I think uh, which I'd like you to pick up on, which was uh, don't be afraid to to let your kids, let your employees make mistakes once in a while. The greatest learning experience comes from a mistake. Now, hopefully, it's not a large dollar figure mistake. But certainly the, the, the smaller mistakes that get made by the next generation, they learn an inordinate, inordinate amount to which they really, other than the fact that they won't make it again, they go on to try and improve that process. So, uh, and, I'm, and whatever, whatever the small mistakes are made along the way, uh, I have no doubt, uh, John or even Peter, when you started working out, that they, that they certainly helped out. Would you agree? Definitely. Uh, was there, you know, when you're when you're talking mistakes and you're, you're learning, there's there's a level of communication, I guess, that has to always take place. How do you guys stay on top of each other? Is it is it a, a constant calling? Is I it think email? we call uh, more often than uh, the Montreal store would like, but I think that saves us whether it is through emails, whether it's through calling each other or meeting each other on the weekends when we're kind of out of the element of you know servicing our clients on a daily basis, where we could just sit down have a dinner or have a lunch and just kind of go through different problems or different scenarios or different ways we'd like to grow the business, obviously. I think those are the times where we really communicate well and we kind of get a bunch of different ideas together. During the day, it's really phone call frequency and not so much checking up on this and that, but really just following up on orders and if there's things that a customer needs from from myself that I'm unsure of 
you know how to treat that window or how to treat that that type of furniture my father's knowledge or or the staff in montreal's knowledge over 60 years versus ours of six sometimes comes becomes very helpful to us and so we'll be calling them and sometimes emailing pictures of our of of the scenario that we need solved so it it, it sounds like you you kind of recognize that you don't know what you don't know and you're not shy to ask for advice or ask for assistance along the way well in a custom industry it's not necessarily not knowing but every every situation is new to you there's not really a person that comes in that had the same house or the same i mean if it's a wedding dress the same body type you know every every person and everyone's home is unique to the, to themselves and in some instances it's just not you know it which 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 would look good but you just want that sense of security that you've done that in the past and it did look amazing or actually you did that but the way you you know the way you altered it makes a big difference so it's just reassurance and confidence because it's important when it comes to people's homes to do the job right the first time but josh you mentioned in the family aspect uh, there's no decisions moving forward that are made without the consensus of of everyone involved of the next generation and my brother and i we won't do anything moving forward without everybody's consent because they're the ones that are going to inherit it in the in the future so they have to be comfortable with it what happens when you don't agree we don't do it until we're all in agreement we just keep discussing it, we keep rehashing it, we keep meeting about it, and that's why we haven't expanded yet, and that's why we're on the verge of now, because it took that long to all agree on the, on the way we're going to do it. So do your Sunday night dinners occasionally with family around the table, does it, does it get heated? Does the business come home all the time? No, we try to keep, if it's a family dinner, we keep business out of it. If we need something to discuss, we'll go out, just the, the people involved, and discuss it. But we won't bring it home to the family. I think the roles that you mentioned earlier are very important. You said everybody has a different role, um, whether whatever the post process is behind it. Uh, and I think it's it's something we should definitely explore uh, when we get back afterwards is who's responsible for what and how do you communicate that way, whether it's buying, whether it's selling, whether it's the administration, because each one has its own importance. And just to understand who's good at what is, uh, is something important. So I like you gentlemen to think about it. And I think when we come back, We'll, uh, we'll explore that. Sure, and how uh, I guess you can, uh, I guess, sometimes not meddle when it comes to family members. Uh, John, are you sure you're doing it that way? You know, kind of thing. Uh, more with uh, John and Peter Auger. They're from CNM Textiles in just a moment. 514-790-0991 if you want to talk about uh, entrepreneurship in general with uh, Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. You can always get uh, free advice from Josh. 790-0991 or Star Talk on Bell Mobility. Right now, CJD time is coming up to 7.30. The opinions of the commentator or commentators are solely those of the commentators and not of CJAD 800 or Aspo Media Radio. Whatever gets you through the Welcome back at 7.33 on Montreal's News Talk leader, CJAD 800, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. This is, of course, what keeps you up nights, a business program all about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. And uh, two uh, amazing Quebec entrepreneurs join me this evening, John and Peter Auger. They are from CNM Textiles. You've probably heard the name. They've been around Montreal uh, for 60-plus years. And now John, the son, is out in Ottawa with their franchise there. Um, guys, we're talking about, I guess, um, family dynamic before the break and how how it is to run a family business, how it is especially to, um, I guess, stick to your roles in a sense, because we don't want anyone stepping on each other's toes, right? Does, do, does all, do all family members have defined roles, or do you, is there always sort of intermingling in between the departments? 
each one basically does have their role. My my brother is basically responsible for the whole uh, dress department, clothing department, and buying those fabrics, merchandising those fabrics. And it's interesting because you said, what happens if you conflict? I may sway over there sometimes and give an opinion, but I'm turned back and I'm sent the other <laughs> way. And the same thing in, in the drapery department. I'm basically responsible for home deck fabrics. And we try not to cross paths, but we give opinions. And if, if I'm doing something wrong and he brings it to my attention, I'll, I'll take his advice and I'll try to correct it. Uh, in the purchasing, the, the everybody is involved in the home deck purchasing as far as the Ottawa group, Jonathan and Matthew and David, uh, make the trips with us. They, they each give their opinion. They know what the customers are asking us for. So they, they all, each one takes a turn in the, in the buying trips with me and and we 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 you know search the world for for new things and, and more original things and you know it's interesting you we're turning to purchasing now and you're in the business where you have to know what the next best fabric what the next best design is gonna is gonna sell like so uh, how, how does purchasing explain a little bit the purchasing process and how you've been able to successfully go about it within cnm well josh what happened in the uh in the 80s and the early 90s, when there was a influx of immigrants from the Middle East wars, they, they all opened up fabric shops on St. Hubert Street. So now in a three-block radius, you have between 25 to 30 fabric stores. So to differentiate ourselves from the others, because we have a large staff and we offer service, I had to make a decision and I started to do the European shows. And by doing the European shows, you got to see what was up and coming, what was exclusive, and we made... You know, we forge good relationships with our suppliers, and to me, a supplier is like part of the family, and you're, you're going to start doing business with them. It's going to be on long term. So we forged some great relationships. We had a good reputation from the past, and they weren't hesitant in selling us, and we were able to get you know, a lot of exclusive fabrics and exclusive items in for the design market in Montreal. So we were always a little bit ahead of our time in that, and that's what you know, made us a little bit different from the, the rest of the stores on the street. Being, you know, certainly you said everybody has their roles, but is there, a, there a decision process? I mean, it's so important what you buy because that's what's going to sell. So does everybody get involved? Well, I think we have to because, you know, if it's just one person basing their decisions on what they liked in that designer showroom on our buying trips, it's very easy to say, yes, that's beautiful. Yes, we'll sell it because they put it together and they, you know, centered the lighting properly so that it looks amazing and it looks like it's going to sell. But what happens most of the time now is that we'll go on our own various ways in these buying trips and we'll do what we call sampling in our industry. So we'll order samples back to our store in Montreal, back to the head office. And then once we have everything in our conference room at the head office, we all sit down and look over everything and say to ourselves, what were we thinking? Oh my God, this is a hit. Why would we buy this? We, we already have it in our collection. So a lot of the times when you're on these buying trips, you're not thinking in the store. You're really on a high because you're in Europe and you're seeing all these beautiful fabrics and all these trendy people and everything looks good to you. But you have to really be in the environment of your store to see what's going to sell and what's not going to sell or what we need and what we don't. Is there a personal story uh, regarding that? Did you go to Europe, uh, John, and, and buy a little too much? Well, I think that was one of my mistakes yeah. in the past, Dan. I, I, in the first trips I was there, it wasn't sample buying. I was impulse buying. And when you love fabrics and you're in this business and you have, uh, you know, you just see everything you want to buy it, and that's where the inventory got a little bit uh, carried away and out of hand. So that's when we, we made the change, and it's a lot better this way. Inventory must play a, a huge role. Uh, I'm curious, how, how many SKUs do you have? How, how many different, uh, for those that aren't sure what a SKU is, how many different types of designs or fabrics do you do you have on hand 
without actually doing a count, we estimated between fifty to 60,000 different items on wow. hand. But that part of the success, I know as an accountant, you don't like the fact that we have a high inventory, but <laughs> part of the success is that you can come in and purchase what you want and leave with it. You don't have to order it and wait eight weeks and then be disappointed because it was discontinued or it's not the right color. You leave with your purchase. So if you have a project to do, it's, it's done within the month. You, you can leave with it, have it sewn, have it done, and, and it's in your house within a month. You know, as an accountant, I may not like the numbers behind it, but as a business advisor, knowing that you have to hold on to a certain amount or number of pieces and, you know, to make the next sale, as long as that inventory is managed properly and you're able to turn it, uh, I, I think the number of SKUs is, is, not, uh, is not in and of itself a reason. It's the proper management of it, the proper follow-up on it, uh, and to know when to go in and, of course, when to get out. And it's certainly some businesses... Uh, Sorry, as, as some businesses uh, are, uh, it's advantageous to have a large inventory, right, guys? I mean, it's not like you're selling pizzas or anything that could go go, but, go bad. No, but, but I Josh think... made a sorry. Josh made a good point when he when uh, we did consult with Josh after the uh, 2008 October crash. It was a very good point he made, and we we've controlled at a much better level our inventory since then, which has made our profitability much better now. And through his you know consultation, we we've come a long way since then. I was just going to take some of the credit for that. <laughs> myself, As the next generation Myself, should. Matthew, and David were really overwhelmed by the amount of stock we had. Uh, it just it just in the upper floors, and we were just wondering why, you know, we're sitting on this quote-unquote dead stock for so many years when we could be purchasing new stock and refreshing our shelves, refreshing our collection. And I think we were persistent, and, you know, between my father and my uncle, the dynamic there, one wanted to sell, one didn't, but we finally got through to them and said, listen, we can't keep sitting on all this inventory. Some is good, I agree, and if it is good, let's put it on the floor and actually merchandise it, but if it's sitting there and nobody wants it, we just have to get rid of it and make room and grow the business, and before we get into a huge expansion, let's see how much space we actually have on hand and how much space we actually need to dedicate to warehousing or more retail showroom space. And how do you keep track of 50 or 60,000 different types of fabric? It's, it seems monstrous. It, it's all done on a manual system. Uh, items are not totally computerized. Uh, it, it's on the hope that the salesperson is deducting what they're selling on a constant basis. And uh, we're following it up manually at an old system, which is working. I think it would be very hard to barcode this system. It, it would be a project, but it's an enormous doable, project, yeah. But uh, yeah, an enormous project. Does the fact of, I mean, where you're buying the goods, which I presume are in various places overseas, uh, and the minimums that may be required, uh, how do you manage that? And, and of course, I'm, I'm curious to know where you're buying overseas, what's working for you and what hasn't. Right now, I'd say our major suppliers are all between Europe, the United States, a lot of India, a lot of Turkey, and a little bit of China. Indirectly, we are doing business in China. We're doing business through the American importers who, and the Canadian importers who are bringing in the large quantities that China requires, and we really don't need those quantities. So we don't want to assume to be somebody we're not, so we tag on with them. It's a good advantage to them because as they're buying a product, they know we're good for so many yards of it. So they can afford to do it, and they work very closely with us and permits us to buy Chinese goods. Um, they're coming along, they've come a long way in China. Uh, they're getting there. India, I think, has surpassed them quality-wise. They've been doing it a lot longer, and their quality is much better. Turkey is phenomenal. Turkey has taken over from where Europe used to be. And Europe is starting to come around. They're realizing with the strength of the euro at the time that the, they have to do something with their pricing. 
and they have to do something with their minimums. So they've come a long way and they've uh, adapted to the, the new economy. And the United States, thank God, the dollar is, for us, it's, it's advantageous. And uh, they've really suffered and they're starting to come around now. It was never a question of quality out of Europe. It was always number one and their styles were always number one. But at a certain point when the euro was so highly traded versus the Canadian dollar, you had to look elsewhere to, to keep your, your business alive as well. So that's why we explored maybe more into China on our own to see if we could eliminate some of the middlemen involved and see if it was advantageous for us to go directly to China rather than go through some of the distributors. But we decided that with the minimums they, they required and just, it, it was hard to, to tell the quality the control, the logistics. And if, you, if what you were seeing in the showroom, is that what you were going to get for your client? Because oftentimes we would order samples and we would never receive them. Whereas with the Europeans, they were very on top of it all the time, on the ball. And I think, importantly, with the Europeans, they have brought their prices down a bit to make it more affordable for a Canadian business to sell their higher-end products. And for us, that's who we are. We, we would like to keep our quality above the rest, and we are open to dealing with the distributors to, to buy from China. But From a reliability standpoint, is there one country that, uh, you know, reliability on delivery, reliability on consistency of fabric and quality, uh, you know, logistics is a very important role. Getting, you know, it's one thing to 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 make the goods; it's another thing to get it here. Uh, is there a country uh, or two that stand out above others? Well, I have to say, in my experience, uh, India is unbelievable. Uh, when you deal with an Indian mill, you you get your paperwork in advance, you get your invoices in advance, you get the size of your shipment in advance. Everything is done sent over to you and in a pouch in advance to your shipment being ready to ship. And they're amazing when it comes to, to the efficiency like that. And the rest are all, they're all good. I mean, they're all above average, but India really stands out, in my opinion. It's interesting to see the contrast, Josh, because we've had past uh, entrepreneurs on this show who have said, uh, you know what, uh, especially when it comes to plastics, I believe, uh, you, you, I, we can't deal with India, we have to deal with China. They're much more efficient and it always works out better. So you really have to do your homework depending on what industry you're in. The reality is, it, you know, it's a small, small world. The world is shrinking and everybody is becoming specialized a little bit. China can be very good at a lot of things, India good at others, but doing your homework perfectly correct and doing your homework is absolutely crucial. Uh, you don't want to get hit at the wrong time. What kind of homework did you guys do, uh, John and Peter Auger, uh, before you decided to go to China, go to India? Well, we, we would meet uh, most of these suppliers at the European shows that we were at, and we'd start off very slowly with one or two suppliers, not buying a lot from them, just to see how it would go. When you saw that your first order, your second order was consistent, your third was good, then you'd say, okay, these people are good. But, you, you know, in India, it depends who you're dealing with and what city you're dealing with and at what level you're at. And, and the levels of the companies we're dealing with are mid to high end. So these people are very professional. And we did start out on a, you know, on a very small basis, and then we just let it grow. Same thing with Turkey. Turkey has turned out to be a fantastic source for us. More with uh, John and Peter Oje in just a moment. They're from CNM Textiles. You've probably heard the name. They've been around for 60-plus years. If you have a question for John or Peter or for Josh Miller of a Fuller Landau about uh, business and entrepreneurship in general, 514-790-0991 or Star Talk on Bell Mobility. Right now, CJD time is 745.
Welcome back at 7.48. Our guests uh, this evening on What Keeps You Up Nights, John and Peter Auger. They're with uh, CNM Textiles. Uh, they do all kinds of textiles, blinds, draperies. Uh, you can find them on their website, cmtextiles.com. And uh, Josh Miller of Flow Landau. We were talking uh, before, I guess, about um, all kinds of issues uh, when it comes to family dynamic, when it comes to uh, importing stuff from India, from China. Uh, so I guess the, the name of the show, of course, uh, gentlemen, is What Keeps You Up Nights. So the, it's fitting that we ask you, Clearly. Uh, what keeps you up nights about your business? Wow. Well, my first awakening at 3 a.m. and then I try to get back to sleep <laughs> and if my mind starts working, it really s turns to the business on a constant basis on how can I make the business better, what we're doing in the future, how can I make uh, my, my staff happier, what can I do to please my customers in a better way, how can I come up with new ideas for them, how can we expand. I'm always looking to the future and looking at how we can make it better. And Thank goodness now we're starting to look at that and we're starting to go into our future expansion, which is very exciting. And uh, it, it's just, it's a constantly changing business and the dynamic of this business, especially in the home decor area, is constantly changing. And we're entering into new markets that we had never touched before in the high-end residential and the commercial and the... Uh, in the uh, theatrical, which has been a great business, and there's a return to the theatrical right now with uh, the American filmmakers coming back to Montreal. So it's it's a great area for us. So when I wake up, if my mind goes to the business, I'm not going back to sleep. But what about like the economy? Certainly, when the when it it really hit uh, hit hard uh, in the fall of 2008, was that something that that uh, kind of kept you awake as well? It's the extra gray hairs you see on my head, Josh. It was <laughs> it was a horrible time. It was. Uh, Whoever had plans and whoever we had done quotations for prior to the October, what I'll call the October crisis, I guess, uh, they put them all on hold because it really affected uh, every level of the economy, every level of wage earner. And, and I think everybody, no matter who you are, you put your project on hold for the most part. And thank God we saw in the fall, I'd say the fall of 2009, we saw a little bit of a turnaround and then even more in the spring of 2010 right now where all these projects are still there. The people didn't disappear. But now things are back to where there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So they've decided, yes, we're going to go ahead with that project the same way we planned it prior to October 2008. And they're going ahead with their projects. So we're seeing a turn. I mean, the, the housing boom is tremendous. The construction boom in Montreal is tremendous and even more so in Ottawa. So we're seeing that. And obviously, they have to drape their homes. And, and even in the bridal and evening wear end, where you, you don't want to just have a wedding and go and see the same dresses ever you want to create something and we have a repeat clientele that are coming back and they're they're enjoying the shopping in the store and and shopping with their bridesmaids and their mothers and grandmothers and choosing their their bridal outfits and it's it's a good experience it's a fun experience what don't you guys do that's fabric related you seem to do be all across uh, where it comes to you do bedding you do uh drapery you do wedding dresses uh, uh, balances upholstery uh, furniture headboards anything that has to do with the home or clothing made to measure. Not, nothing in a ready-made market, it's all custom made to fit your needs. Everything is custom done by us in turnkey operation from, from A to Z. And I think that's part of something that would keep me up at night is that in the future, if we do expand and open more stores, we will be able to find the people to actually put together and realize our customers' dreams in a sense. The sewers, the, the employees, the sales associates, it's, it's, a, it's a very troubling question that uh, I think to myself and with my, my partners, my younger generation partners, 
you know, we'd love to have three, four, five, uh, ten stores across Canada, but will we find the, the workrooms, will we find the employees that are dedicated and offer the same service that we have in our Montreal store and our Ottawa location? Will the installers be as efficient? So on and so forth. So that's one of the things that, that is very, you know, troubling. And if I do wake up at three in the morning, that's something I'm thinking about. And also the, uh, the dot-com whether or not to uh, go full-fledged. We do have a website, obviously, but whether or not we want to accommodate to uh, the clientele that likes to purchase online, uh, live blogs, so on and so forth, it's something that we've been looking into and just unsure how aggressive we should be getting in the future. Uh, coming up, more with John and Peter Auger of CNM Textiles. They've been in business for 60-plus years. Uh, we can squeeze in maybe one quick question at 7900991 or Star Talk on Bell Mobility. Right now, CJD time is coming up to 7.54. Welcome back, 7.56 on CJD, What Keeps You Up Nights, Dan Delmar along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guests this evening, John and Peter Auger, a father-son team from CNM Textiles. And uh, Josh, we mentioned the economy before the break and how difficult it is for some businesses to, I guess, uh, to adjust to, to a new reality. You know, for those that are still around and surviving, uh, change is, is very important, and to learn from the past uh, is is also crucial. Uh, Peter, you were mentioning before about uh, the economy and how it changed a lot. Is there one thing that you've changed in your business from a process point uh, that you're doing today and that you'll you'll probably continue to do? I think since then, Josh, we've become extremely efficient and much more than we were before. We've streamlined our operation. We're trying to work at a minimum and keep the expenses down and to try to make ourselves profitable again. And uh, you just have to be really streamlined. You, you can't be as loose as you were before that when business was flying. You, you, were, you weren't looking as closely at everything. Right now you're looking at everything that goes on. And by being streamlined, you can become profitable again. Excellent. So as we get to the, to the end of the show, uh, certainly I'm, you've been in business for this long. Is there some words of wisdom, piece of advice that you can offer today's entrepreneur? I think anybody going into business or who is in business has to realize they have to work hard. If anybody thinks you're going in there and you can take holidays all the time and it's a piece of cake and you don't have to be there, you have to be there all the time. You have to work with your staff. You have to work with your clients. You have to listen to them. You, you, you can't be egotistical and say, I know what I'm doing. If your client asks you for something and you don't have it, you have to get it. And you have to listen to what your clients want. If they criticize you, if they criticize your service, then you're doing something wrong and you have to change it. And you have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to correcting what's going wrong and listen to your staff. Your staff are the ones that are, that are speaking to the people on a daily basis. If you don't listen to them, you're never going to move on. And, you, and you, have to, you have to be aware of what's going on around you, and you have to want to work hard. And if you're not willing to, you're, you shouldn't be in business. And John, as the next generation, what, uh, what, would, you, what would you offer as advice to the, to the young entrepreneur today? Be good to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that one of the important things that I learned is that I've always wondered why we don't expand on our, you know, we say we're home decor. Why don't we have more accessories and this and that? And I think the important thing that I learned is that you have to remain specialized. Know who you are and know what you do best and focus on that. Because the moment you become, you know, everything to everybody, you, you lose certain aspects of the business that you were known for. And I think it's really important to keep that 
Uh, John Peter Auger th- uh, from CNM Textiles. Their website is cmtextiles.com. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. Thank you for having us. Uh, Josh, quickly before we sign off, uh, what's coming up next week? Next week, as CNM's been around 61 years, next week's Montreal Window Cleaning, 106 years in business. Wow. Going to per- be great. Perfect timing. People are doing spring cleaning. So uh, tune in next Monday night at 7 p.m. for Josh Miller. My name is Dan Delmar. Have a wonderful evening. And don't forget, you can reach Fuller Landau at 514-875-2865 or www.flmontreal.com. The Ryan Doyle Show is next.